This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 784, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands, wearing their masks, getting vaccinated for the good of us all. Fanboy Pick League episode 784. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host Josh Flanagan. Just checking. Yep, Josh Flanagan. That's it. Thank you. Do other shows always start with their episode number? No, but it's a comic book show, so I've always thought that sort of fits. Yeah, that's true. Now, now this fits with old comics. We should be renumbering all the time. We should have two numbers at this point, and then sometimes a decimal place. Yeah. We should say, because we That's would say, true. welcome to iFanboy number 12, Legacy 784. Uh, or we could say, welcome to iFanboy number 8, Volume 12, uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember? I'm sure you do. You remember that in order to see where something was in the printing, you would look at the indicia and it mm-hmm. would say volume whatever. So if there was mm-hmm. like a lesser title or something, not like your Thors, but your if there was a Black Widow series, you would look in the indicia to be like, oh, this is volume three. There have been two other Black Widow yes, series. Yes, I yes, loved yes. that. That was cool. Because it was like also you, were, you found out when you accidentally bought a second printing. Yep. Fuck. Yep. <laughs> I've done it. I spent my eight dollars on this, <laughs> which is a big deal. We are a fanboy and we like comics. If we read a bunch of comics, one of us picks the best one. We call it the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book. We'll talk about other books, the patron pick, maybe listener mail. We always go along. It's a fun time for everyone. And here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. Exercise some caution. Use your brain. Josh, you had the pick this week. Yes, I did. I had a tough time with a pick. I finished my books and I went, was that it? And... I sort of looked at them and I got myself narrowed down to two possible choices. Um, So the pick is Strange Academy number 11. Uh, You may notice that the last pick of the week I had was Strange Adventures. So I like strange books. Is there currently a Doctor Strange series? I don't think there is. There's there's one coming out they just announced this week. The death of Doctor Strange. They're going to kill him. Of course they are. (laughs) Of course they are. When all else fails, kill the character. And then... Bring him back, then get him married, then get him divorced, then let the world go around. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, I, I don't think that when I read the book, I thought, there's your pick of the week. I think mm-hmm. that when I went back to look at it, of all the the ones, it was that was the best sort of straight up book I, I read. In terms of like, I'm really excited when this series comes out. Um, mm-hmm. I love looking at it. I absolutely, we've talked about Humberto Ramos's work yes. on this before, but you know, the, the design of this character, Toth, who is on the cover, I just, I love it. It's great. You know, he, he's got no mouth. He looks like a ice shard beardy thing, but right. he can emote. Uh, and so basically this is a mystery. They find in a classic, uh, is it pot boiler? Is that correct? Or is that not the right term? <laughs> uh, well, it's a it's a classic, you know, murder mystery. Yeah, uh, so he he's detective. he's he's leaving the. He, everyone's working hard. They're studying. He's working in the library late at night. He gets tapped uh, on the shoulder by the mindless one, which is great. And the mindless one watches him walk into a scary dark hallway. And you think a scary dark hallway is normally scary, and this is a magic school, so you can imagine, which seems sure. to be also located in the in the bayou, which is scary <laughs> on its own. Anyway, you know, you, you get one of those. You know, somebody sneaks up on him and, and, and you, you know, he doesn't say you, but it's that kind of thing. And they find him the next morning and he's been shattered into a million pieces. So we have to figure out who... It's a murder mystery. It is a murder mystery. Who done it? And then it is ratcheted up a level when they bring in Howard the Duck P.I., who I cannot remember the last appearance Howard the Duck has made. Like a real appearance. There's always been, yeah. you know, like jokey cameos. But, but I, I, you know, so... You send the the email to me when it's your pick. With, yeah. Here's the pick, and here's the books I want to talk about. And so when I finished my books last week, I said, like, oh, that was a you know it's a solid week. I could there's things to talk about. I don't know what my pick was would have been. I didn't really think about it, but I saw it. and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like I really I really liked this issue. This was a very good issue. This was one of yeah. the best comics this week. And yeah, and, and it was it, really fun. It's another one of those things where you know I'm talking about Scotty Young's writing again, and I and I and it's. Obviously, he's a good writer, but this is a whole, we were talking about mysteries, I don't know, mm. a week or two ago, and I just said, I can't think that way, and he went and he did it here, and it's the lockbox mystery, where they're talking to all the people in the school, and looking for the clues, and they all have their own, they all have their own agendas, and, and everything, and it's sort of silly, and it's very fast-paced, like, mm-hmm. he covered a lot of ground, and it was all sort of classic stuff, yeah. but it was really well done, I mean, I don't think that readers appreciate often enough the difficulty of having a cast of characters this large it's very hard for writer and artist and and then but to make the plot move forward quickly and and you know make sure you're getting everybody a moment yeah it's it's, yeah and and every and there's there's no wasted space in here it's a great comic book from from top to bottom not an easy way but a good way to make sure your characters all get a moment is to have them all be interrogated yes yeah, that's it's classic. I mean, basically, he's but, using very standard storytelling tools very well. No, it's not. I'm, this is, the yeah. writing is terrific, and you're, when you're you're totally right. Is that one of the best things about this issue is through the course of the interrogation, you're getting great character and story stuff. Mm-hmm. So all the characters, as you said, have an agenda. Some of them don't like each other, so they're trying to <laughs> rather awfully set each other up for murders for this murder. <laughs> you know. And or or, you know, they're freaking out about something else. And that comes out during the interrogation. Like there's a lot of things that are building here. First of all, I think you can definitely pick up this issue and read it. Having not read it, the first 10 issues of Strange Academy. Yes. It's very much it's not self-contained because the murder is, t- is tied to a previous thing that happened in the book. But 
the story told here is self-contained enough where you can pick this up. And the, and the archetypes. Kid gets killed at the beginning, and then, you know, there's an investigation. Now, we say Kid gets killed. He's a magical ice creature being. So they're putting his body back together, and they can revive him with a spell if they have all of his pieces. And the problem is one of his pieces. The most important piece, the, the frozen heart, is gone. So it's not quite as – we're not <laughs> being very blasé about the murder of a child. Like, he's going he's gonna to be brought yeah. back to life. But uh, but even that's you know. sort of a great – you know, let, lets us be loose with this yes. to a certain extent. It can and, be funny without it being – without you know, while still being serious, without being super tragic. Yep. And you've got like in the one, you know, there's the classic page, there's the nine panels and it's all of them talking and the, you know, the one kid's talking about how he, he was playing Battle Call, you know, their, whatever their um, MMORPG is. And then, you know, four panels later, the girl's like, I was getting my ass handed to me in Battle, <laughs> battle Call. <laughs> and you're like, oh, <laughs> like just little bits and, you know, a lot of, that was yeah. a, actually, that's a very Bendis-y page. Um, very, yeah. Very, very Bendis-y. You know, and the art, and the art is terrific. <sighs> the... The flashbacks to each person's alibi is done in a not it's not sepia tone, but it's it's a it's it's not as it's not as clean. The coloring is a bit um, not dirtier, but it's it's got a sheen, it's got a different look to it. So it's yeah. it's beautiful. It's almost um, almost color penciled, not exactly like that, but yeah. not your clean style. And just the Humberto Ramos art in this, every character has. Uh, expression and emotion, whether they have got a pumpkin f- head face or yeah, uh, ice face and a duck face. He's he's such a good cartoonist for all these types types of characters. And it's you said you know it doesn't matter if it's your first you know issue or not, and that's because the the visual style of all the characters immediately tells you what their sort of archetype is and what their mm-hmm. their point of view is. It's it's incredible visual shorthand, um, and and honestly, like we've seen we've seen Howard the Duck, like he's he gets to be Howard the Duck here. There's like this is Steve Gerber, Howard the Duck. You know, they mm-hmm. call him in, and it, it's played. There's no duck jokes. No, that's not a totally one. Straight. Yeah, it's played totally straight. You have these crowd scenes. You have that office that he's working in, where there's sort of stuff piled all over the desk, and it's just a lot here. And and that's how I got to the pick. It was not a thing where I finished and I thought that was great. It was a thing where I finished and I don't really have an answer. And I looked at all of them and as I examined each, I was like, "Oh, this is this is the best thing that's going." And and what are we eleven in? Mm -hmm. Lost no steam a lot of times in a twelve issue miniseries or whatever this is. You know, by the time you get to eleven, you're like, "I've had enough," and I'm not had enough. I feel like there's so much more to explore with these characters in this stuff. And, uh, you know, they really hit on something. Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, this is an ongoing that goes until it doesn't go, but, um, it's incredibly fun. Like, I, I think I read this on a lark because Marvel did a real big PR push. They sent the, me the issue. That's the I, reviewers. Yeah. They sent us an issue that, in paper. Like they never, ever, ever it's 15 years of doing this show. That might be the only time Marvel's actually ever sent out anything. Maybe one other time, but it was so long ago. I can't remember. But yeah, and so that's why I read it. I was like, "Well, they sent it to me," which is, you know, they did their job. Yeah, and it was really good. And they've been—it's been really good ever since. It's—it's it's, mm-hmm. it's, if you, if I really sat down and sort of sketched out everything, this this is this would be one of the top Marvel books. Yeah, I I, I think that when you ask me like what the best books are, I don't tend to think of this one, just because every time it comes out, it kind of surprises me. I'm like, oh yeah, this, and I'm happy about it. But mm-hmm. it's not top of mind. Maybe it's because it's monthly and it's it's. A little set aside from the main thrust, thank goodness. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 
it's doing great. And so, yeah, there's no caveat to that pick of the week other than it just wasn't obvious at first. Sure. And the, the last page is a little like real world photograph of his desk. Uh, Howard the Duck's desk with all his notes. That's, and he's, he's got a to-do list. Things to do. Meet with Voodoo. Investigate kids. That's <laughs> and the, I that's guess, I, I mean, I guess in the traditional sense, the big reveal at the end is that the kid who done it is is possessed or part of this demon-y monster terrifying what happened, thing. what happened to him when he got kidnapped. Right, right, right. Misery. Yeah. So, so there's that. Uh, which, you know, well enough. We'll get to that next month. Next month, But um, yep. in the meantime, you had a really great sort of, you know, as hard boiled as you can have with a yep. school full of kids with a duck detective. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's interesting is that the age of the kids and their maturity and danger level is just right. Mm-hmm. They're not so young that it's very silly. They're not so old. Like they, they, they're starting to think like adults, but they still do dumb shit because they're kids. Right. You know, it's it's exactly perfect. I don't know what age you have that at, but you know, it's sort of the. They're young teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably like thirteen, fourteen. I'm seeing like fifteen, fourteen, 15. something like that. Yeah, yeah, around that fourteen, fifteen. It's a good book. Yeah. Did you read the no. Secret Land number one from Dark Horse Comics? No, I did not. Okay. So I saw it was another World War II, but with monsters book, and I was like, oh, I got a lot of books this week. So I think I had, I had over twenty books this week. So if I have over twenty books, I'm usually not branching out unless I'm really excited for something. So this, I, I, the 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 um, solicit had said something along the lines of it gives the World War One or World War Two spy story, mm-hmm. and then the very end of the solicit is something like, but a darker secret, something or mm-hmm. other. And I thought, eh, I'll look at it. So I gave me, you know, I, I had, I a look at it and 95% of this book is straight up World War II spy story. Uh, the setting is, um, it's nearing the end of the war. There is a couple, a man and a woman, and he goes off to fight. He's like a commando kind of guy. He goes off to fight in the Pacific, um, mm-hmm. at the same time that his either fiance or wife, I forget, I think fiance, um, she speaks German, so she's going to be put deep undercover into sure. Germany. And he's sort of telling this story backwards, and, and the, the idea is that, that she's dead. She's been killed already. And mm-hmm. so then we sort of go back through her story, and she goes on this submarine with a, a German scientist, and they surface in Antarctica. Uh, and there's a secret outpost after, this is May or June, it's after Hitler's dead. Uh, and it's the last stand of the Reich in this base that they have constructed. Now, so far, we are all non-supernatural. And the idea is that the scientist is going to go there because he has constructed a power source. And they cannot continue uh, their, the, to, to move forward without their power source. And you don't know what it is. Um, it's, it's not necessarily mystical. Uh, there's a... Mm-hmm. I mean, I start to think, I'm like, well, is it a nuclear power generator? Is it, is it whatever? And apparently, I don't know, it, it takes energy from between planes of blah, blah, blah. Who knows? Um, and just as you sort of get to the... So that is, uh, you know, all these people are in a locked box. There's bad Nazis. There's just the worker people. And there's this lady who's a spy. And she makes a friend with somebody. And you also know that her husband is on the other side of the world. And he's worried to death about her. Really good characters. And mm-hmm. a, a pretty plausible scenario up to this point. And at just one point, 
one of the evil <laughs> Nazi guys like kills somebody because they're tr- they're they're threatening the scientists. They're like it's been three months. You don't have this thing working. I don't think you understand. Which is we'll kill you because we're evil Nazis. And then they kill somebody else. There are Russian slaves like they're called. They call them the serfs who do all the labor in the in mm-hmm. the uh, in the place. And then at one point the power thing just kind of flashes to instead of looking like machinery, it kind of looks like like a bloody heart or something like that mm-hmm. you know and and there's a pull that's it that's the extent of the sci-fi in it right and i'm so, not you know i'm not 100 percent against it, it just it was like you know i i understand i had 21 22 books and i was like eh, i don't know if i need another one plus i read that um book that you you told me to read about the uh gold hunting ship that ran into mermaids and by the end of it i was like i don't know this book's annoying yeah no i lost track i didn't know what the hell was going on by the yeah, end by the, end, the first lost. couple issues of it was, i was into yeah. it then it was by the end i was like i don't know what's happening here so again i i think it is one of those things i i just thought it's it's good now i don't right. know what's going to happen but this setup, and right now, you take out whatever that supernatural thing is, and it's it's one of my favorite things that's just come out. Sure. And I don't know what will happen with later issues, but I really enjoyed this first issue. It's a, ooh, I, wanna, I don't know, Scandinavian writer. Uh, mm-hmm. He's in one of those countries, Northern Europe. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, and an Argentinian uh, artist, and they've never met. They're on different sides of the world. They write a little about right. that at the end. You know, and and I and I dug it. You know, and she 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 you know tries. To, she's trying to figure out a way out of it, but she's completely stuck. It's impossible odds. Blah blah blah. Again, I don't need a supernatural element for this. If right. it's almost as if I ignore that, I'm I'm in. Uh, you know, it's it's just post war, real. You know, uh, alternate history kind of stuff. Sure, um, it was good. It was good. All right. Well, maybe I, I'll go I back almost back. made a pick of the week just because of its novelty and and the right. fact that I enjoyed it. So. See, I, I could think, totally see it going off the rails. Yeah, oh, for sure. And there's nothing wrong with the first issue being really good and not not yeah. working after that. But that happens all the time. Uh, Carmen number four, Guillaume March is uh, and Tony Lopez is a uh, book we've been really enjoying. In this issue, the main character uh, discovers what we've all been suspecting this entire time, which is that uh, her childhood friend, who she's been in love with, was not so much having an affair with her roommate as he was confiding in her roommate that he was in love with her, the main character. And, and, that, and that he was the best guy on earth. And she killed, she had, she's committed suicide because she thought, uh, he did not love her and was in love with her roommate. And so now the whole tragedy of the event has unfolded for her. We, we've all suspected and probably known this the whole time, sure. but she now knows it. And yeah, we have that- a lot of flashbacks here to really fill out, um, their life together. And I actually really like the parts where she's running around and when she phases through someone, she can see their life. And so we, we got some glimpses into random tragedies and mm-hmm. as life is full of, and, um, or just events in people's lives. I, I, you know, this book continues. It's really great, um, examination of life in general. I thought this is really good. I think that, and this for all intents and purposes, as I can tell this, this has to be the last one because Unless I don't think it's the last one. Really? Because it seems like at the well, end it was no, like she had to no accept. There's no resolution. Well, it was though because she gets there, she sees him, she has an understanding, and then the light approaches her. That's the last thing you see. Yeah, so she's so basically to me, it was actually really spaced well as a story because the first one is we kind of get to know these people and then something weird happens. 
The second one is her going, wait, I can't be dead. Uh, what's all the, in exploring the sort of world of being that. The third issue is... No, the, the, the next one's the finale, issue five. Oh, really? Well, that's interesting. So I guess there's, you know what? I like it. If it ends here, I like that as sort of a poetic, you're like, oh, she understands now, but it's too late. And if you're reading it, then you think, you know, make sure you understand things before you overreact, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's sweet. It's melodramatic as hell. Um, you know, it's still, it's still beautifully drawn and rendered and story told. See, I didn't put it in here because I was pretty sure it was the end, but now you're saying it's not. Um, yeah, one more to go. Yeah, I, it didn't make it didn't really make sense to me that after all this build up to leave it on such an ambiguous note. I like um, that though. That to me that sure. that works. That's the um, that's the Sopranos ending. That's the Watchmen TV series ending. I I may have mentioned this on the show, but um, I heard Damon Lindelof on something, and he was talking about how there are two kinds of people. And there's people who get to the ending of, of an ambiguous ending of something like that. And they go, that's great. And then there's the other people who go, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And, and this is, the, I thought it was one of those. I thought it was like, screen goes black. We, do we know what happened to Tony? Doesn't matter. Story's over. You know, right. as long as there's an ending of a note of some kind. So to me, the ending here was, you know, like she realizes everything that's happened that she had and she lost. And now she has to move on to the next thing and the thing's there. So she accepts it. That's how I looked at it. Well, yeah, but, I think but, I don't. I don't read that in the final page. She's she's not. That ball of light is chasing her. That's death. No, I, no that that I understand. It's 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 her face. She hasn't accepted it. You know, it's it's sort of shattered her. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I just think. I will, she is he, the next issue is going to be about her accepting things. Maybe the thing. The I guess the thing that wasn't resolved though is is Carmen. So I guess that's the other that's the, actually the real big clue is that she has an argument with her supervisor. And by the way, the afterlife seems like a nightmarish bureaucracy. <laughs> there's budgets. There's there's uh, time constraints. There's resources. There's an upstairs and there's an upstairs upstairs. Yeah, how um, great would that be? You go through life all the all the triumph and tragedy of it, and you get to the afterlife. And here's your time card. Here's your TPS forms. Oh. You've got a staff meeting on Tuesdays. You've got a department meeting on Thursdays. I'd be like, oh, my God. What's I mean, that's, that? that's hell. Yeah. What did I do wrong in life to get to this point? Boy, if you go through the end of this issue, there's a couple of pages of, like, the raw pencils and inks. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Incredible. Sometimes when you look at comic book art, the uncolored, unfinished version is underwhelming. It's and sometimes yeah. it's, oh, it's much better. And uh, these pages... I love when you see the pages and you're like, oh, wow, this really is no joke. You know, like, yeah, it's like we saw those, you know, those Kirby pages yep. in that, you know, 20 years ago in that book. It's like the smoothed out, you know, smooth out the rough edges, color up, cover up a lot of the stuff with color. Like it, it's for the process. But when you really look at the art, you're like, geez, I think I did an article about it on the website many years ago looking at like Mike Zex pencils from Secret War versus what they actually put out. It's right. It's not even close because no, yeah, I, yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, much I think more detailed and much more life to those pencils. And I think for me, the, you know, my turning point on Kirby was that I had gone to a uh, an exhibit at the Jewish Museum in New York, and they had some mm-hmm. of his pages there, and I, I just went, oh, it really hit me. Yeah. Same thing. There was you know, the, stuff in person is crazy. Yeah. The one other guy that I did that was uh, was Chris Ware pages. Mm-hmm. They had a couple of Chris Ware pages, and they're gigantic. And I saw it, and I was like. I understand everything now. 
<laughs> you know, it, it, like, you know, they print the book, they make it smaller. You see what he does by hand. You know, Kirby was the same thing. It's just the the Chris Ware one was also, it was incredibly Close obvious. Close up on Josh's eyes, fireworks go oh, off inside. I'm telling you, the real thing. Zoom into his brain, synapses fire, pull out. And then, and then, and then thus begins a, a decade and a half of, of, of obsession and adoration. Batman Urban Legends number four. This is the fourth issue of the Batman anthology book and features four different stories. I talked about at least once before. It's a lot of fun. I don't really understand where, where or when any of these stories take place. It doesn't really matter. They're all sort of in continuity, but also kind of out of continuity. And they feature some really good talent. And the stories are really good. Um, Can I tell you something that will shock you? Yep. I have been reading the first story all along. Just the first stories? Yep. I've just been reading the Red Hood story. And just skipping the rest? Yep. Why not reading a Grifter story by Matthew Rosenberg? Because it's at the end. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, so you've been telling me you, you read the first story and then you go, the story's over and you stop. Not that I don't know. Skipping the other stories. So the first time, what happened was I had downloaded the issue, and mm-hmm. it was very long. And for whatever reason, I cu- I could not like seventy pages. Yeah, finish that. They're eighty something, and so I had read the first bit, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'll finish the rest of it at some other point. And I thought I want to read that Grifter story. And then the second issue came out, and I thought, oh, so I've got to go back and read the sixty pages that are left of the other one. And this whole one. So I said, I'm just going to read this Red Hood story. And so on. That's how that happens. I understand. You, got, you, very, you, you dug a hole for yourself and it kept huh? getting deeper. Yeah. But I really enjoy the Red Hood story. Like a lot. It's one of my favorite Jason Todd stories I've ever read. Chip Zdarsky, between this and the Justice League book, which also came out this week, which I also really enjoyed, uh, has a real great feel for DC. He's, you know, at, he's at come this, along. At this point, I'm unsurprised by that. Right. You know, because he's... He's great. He's a really good comic book writer. I don't think he's amazing. He's, he's, I think he's very, very good. I think he's very, very solid at the kinds of superhero stories in mainstream books that I want to read. Also, Stillwater's very good. So, I like him a heck of a lot better as this, this multifaceted comic book writer than I did as the artist on the one book that I wasn't sure about. Right. So the Red Hood and the Batman story, this is part four of, of six I love that each one is different length. Like the Grifter story is only five parts. Um, I noticed really that, that like the next story in this was you know like a first part of the story. So they're really going for a Dark Horse Presents thing. It's a rolling, yeah. The, the Batwing story is a one shot. The Tim Drake story is part one of three. The Grifter story is part four or five. Um, which means at some point someone's going to get disappointed because something's yes. not going to end. Also, Urban <laughs> Legends is a terrible title, and it should be like Batman Monthly or you know Batman. Um, or Gotham Legends, at the very least. Yeah. So this Red Hood story lives very, very much in the old continuity. I mean, it's firmly in that world in which yes. uh, we intercut a current adventure with Batman and Red Hood with the almost word, you know, almost note for note, word note for note retelling of the death of Jason Todd by the Joker. Like no, no attempt to update it. The, the beats are the same. Even Batman's silly little helicopter that he flies off in. Like, I'd forgotten it, about the mother, too. I went, oh, right. Yeah. Which, by the way, is the saddest thing about the whole story. Oh, yeah. It's so yeah. awful. I don't think they'd even do that story today because, ugh. Oh, it's terrible. But you're 100% right. This actual 
modern day interaction with Batman and Red Hood is incredibly emotional. Yeah. And there's a scene here where, uh, you know, the Red Hood has been, he's got the, the Mr. Freeze is a drop on the Red Hood and he's going to, he's going to kill him. And the whole time Jason Todd has been in contact with Oracle and she says, she contacts Batman and says, it's Jason, he's in trouble, it's Freeze. Um, she gives him the details that he's, he may not make it. And the, the way that, who's the artist, the, the Eddie Barrows yeah. draws Batman's face as he's driving off uh, was heartbreaking. Because he didn't want to lose him again. As much, as, they've, they, as much trouble as they have with each other. Uh, he doesn't want to have a repeat, and it's. I thought this was terrific. Yeah, I, I, I think that if you go back to, and this has to be the first example of this, you know, the the Denny O'Neill, uh, Green Arrow and Speedy, Speedy's on junk, yep. kind of thing. So many of the superhero sidekick relationships, you know, are focusing on the sort of tensions between them, but everybody's a hero in the end, mm-hmm. and in this one, like. This is like the son that you've done as much right as you could, but he's still off the path, and yep. and and it breaks your heart. And 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 having and realistically, if this is going on, Batman would be more like this Batman. Like I will do anything to help this kid. You know, he's mine. It's my responsibility, and that's what this is. You know, but also a total helplessness to like I, I want to help. I have no idea what to do, uh, and I yeah, get it. It's just it's just you know. You have you have a bunch of sons, and one of them is is just a little angrier than the others. Feels a bit more resentful than the others. It could be because you let the Joker kill him, but um, viciously. You, you keep trying <laughs> you, to bring it back to the fold. Do you think of that crowbar scene now and go, "What the fuck"? Yeah, I, was, I mean, it's it's rough. It's, it's rough. Really awful. I should not have had that at age whatever. But also glad I did. Yeah, when they were ten years old or something like that. So you know, basically right around his age, slightly younger. So. Yeah, I, I just thought this was incredibly good. This mm-hmm. this this whole series has been really good, and their their relationship has been good. The, the relationship between Jason and the little kid he saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the the flashbacks here that Marcus Toe drew, you know, in a style not like Jim Aparo's, but enough to know, know enough. To, in a there more was definitely cartoony style yep. than, than yeah, it really strong. And I'm and it's a bummer you didn't read the rest. I, I totally get why you didn't, but uh, the Batwing one shot was really. Fun. It was him chasing down the Riddler, so it was it was fun to see a different character interacting with the Riddler and trying to figure out the riddles and and do that. I really like Batwing the character. I really like what's his name? Is he, he is, Lucius Fox's son? Lu- Lucius Fox's son. Um, <laughs> the problem is now they've added a second kid who's now Batman. Also, uh, it's not Tim. Tim's the other one. It's Luke. Luke Fox. And uh, I like the Fox family as a sort of alternate bat family i don't like what they're doing with them in their main books i'm not going to talk about it for risk of doing the show but i kind of like this there's this other other really smart technologically savvy bat family in gotham and they're just going to do it no matter what bruce says i kind of like that as a thing that exists Mm -hmm. um but it was fun it was a fun adventure and then i loved the tim drake story written by megan fitzmartin drawn by balan ortega Again, for sort of nebulously takes place in whatever continuity. There's a joke about him being called Drake, but it also felt very much like uh, it was referencing the old continuity because he goes to see his college roommate Bernard, who was from the old book, amidst all these kids being kidnapped in Gotham. And terrific art. Balan Ortega is not a name I know, but he's really, really good. Well, that and, I mean, I think that was the other thing is that I scanned through the names and I didn't know them. 
And I thought, yeah. well, I don't have to hurry through that. No, so yeah, I, well, I'll, I'll, and those two are part ones? Parts one? Uh, Batwing's just a one shot. And then okay. Tim Drake's part one. All right, I'll read those. And then Grifter, we're at part five of six, or whatever it is I said in the beginning. I'm no longer at the title page. Uh, this story's been, as much as I, I hate the Wildstorm characters being in the DC universe, as much as I think it's stupid and doesn't make sense, the story's been a lot of fun. Grifter and Deathstroke team up here. Uh, another Wildstorm character makes a surprise appearance at the end. I won't spoil that. But they end up having to go against Superman, Grifter, and Deathstroke because they, they thought they were going to go up against Batman, but Bruce has got his hands full being foe kidnapped as Bruce Wayne. So Superman shows up to help, and they were not expecting Superman, so that obviously goes badly for Grifter and Deathstroke. Um, it's Matthew Rosenberg, as we know, does funny, does fun, does action. And I, you know, I'm not a huge Grifter guy, but I really enjoyed this as well. This was a strong issue of this anthology. There was no clunkers. Yeah. All right. I I'm, I I, I want to read the Grifter story. I like Grifter. Yeah. I like I like Matt Rosenberg. And read the Tim Drake one. I the thing I'm about a, this, I'll read this whole this, issue. It's good. What's fun about this anthro? I was gonna say I was gonna say antho. Anthropology. Antho, like the kids say, like this antho. This anth- <laughs> anthology is. Yo, that antho af. We're getting. Good, you know, Matthew Rosenberg and Chip Zdarsky get, get to dip their toes into into Gotham. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they don't get a regular book, but or maybe they don't have time or don't want a regular book, but they get to tell a really solid Batman story. So this this one's working. Well, all right. Let's take a quick break and talk about iFanboy and how you can help support the show. I noticed that all the things are in the script, but I'm going to do it off the top of my head. Nice. Uh, the main way to help the show is patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's how you can help. Uh, the, main, the main source of support, the patrons over the years have unlocked tons of content that everybody gets to enjoy. They unlock the patron pick. They unlock the talk explodes and book explode shows. They unlock the media explode show. They unlock the YouTube content being re-uploaded to uh, YouTube or old archive content. There's that patron hangout that they get to enjoy. There's a lot of fun things. And that's in, on top of the communities, the the really fun Discord community and the Facebook group, which I don't – I'm not dis- – Discounting, I just don't go on Facebook, so I, I, it's just I, I check it when I can, but mostly on Discord. It's, it's a lot of fun to have places you can go to hang out with people, like-minded people, and it very much feels like the old days of the Revision Three forums. Like everyone's real cool there. We have great discussions. There's no fights. There's no trolling. Everyone's sort of you know having a good time talking about comics in those both those communities, and it's been really nice. So um, if you can, if you want to join, patreoncom ifanboy. Our next stretch goal is a GI Joe cartoon show, which we probably will. We keep talking about changing our stretch goals. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we won't. And then after that is the return of the barbecue and email video show on a quarterly basis, which was always one of our most popular and favorite shows to do. Although these these this, these days, there'll be a lot less meat on those shows. <laughs> Says you, there will be the same amount of meat for me, but much more discomfort afterwards. <laughs> Uh, so you should please. you should in the in the Discord group, and I'm I'm saying this because I don't go on the Facebook group either. You should you should discuss what you think the other show could be. That's a benefit that, that the patrons have. Yeah, 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 yeah. What would what would you like? Because I think some people really like that, but I think enough are like ah, that's not my thing, and I get that. So that's patreon.com slash ifanboy. Thanks to all the patrons. There's also ifanboy.threadless.com, which is where our t-shirts are. We have eight designs. Ifanboy logo, Herm, pick the podcast ratings. If one is, if one is like Joe Judah, nothing makes sense, nothing matters. Stay home and read comics. 
and we have a couple. We've been talking about some designs. We've, we life has sort of gotten in the way of working on those, but we have them in the we have them in the design phase. So eventually, we'll get to you. There's also ifanboy.com/support. Uh, that's where you can uh, is it support? That's where PayPal is. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the PayPal link is. Yes, that's where you is. can leave a tip in the PayPal tip jar, which some people do. We thank you for that. ifanboy.com/amazon. That's where you can find the Booksblood books and other Amazon links. And we do thank everyone who helps support the show. You help us pay the bills and keep the lights on and make the time away from our families worth it. And we thank you very much. Is this the final issue of Birthright? Yes, it is. This is the end of Birthright. And very I impressive. just, yeah, that, that's kind of the thing. Uh, I, wanted, I, I enjoyed it. I read every issue all the way through. Um, you know, I dropped out around in the 20s somewhere. But I didn't dislike it. I was just like, okay, I think I've got my fill. I jumped up. It really, you know, it wrapped into, I thought, what was a very nice family story about going through trauma and coming out the other side of it and being able to find, you know, your your joy in your family. And, and, and Mikey, who was maybe the chosen one, you know, goes to Terranos and he, and he has to fight the God King lore and you know, a lot of stuff happens and he comes back and blah, blah, blah. But at the end, like he's found peace, you know, they win. It's a, it's a happy ending. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's kind of nice. And there wasn't really a, there was a scary scene at the end that looked like it might all be starting over again, but it wasn't, it read, (laughs) it read, it read a lot like a children's book, like, like the end of it, uh, in a good way. Like there's things that happen in little kids books where it seems like it's really scary and then they find the kid and everything's okay and they give mom and dad hugs um there's a sacrifice that's made by brennan the the younger brother where he is now in Terranos, but he's a super powerful weird wizard thing um i i, I dug it it was a it was a great series that was a fantasy series but you know there was stuff that tied in uh apparently you know the fact that they completed it in a fairly timely manner, they got there, you know, issues were coming out as best they could, but there wasn't like a year long break or something like that. It was regular enough. 50 issues is, is no small thing. And, uh, you know, not only did, did Josh Williamson and, um, Andre Bresson, uh, do every single issue, but you know, Skybound stuck with them. They did the whole thing. So it's really amazing. I think that's the, to me, the real story here is, is how that Josh Williams and Andre Bresson did 50 straight issues together. Yeah. And, you know, Bresson, not, not, not for me, exactly monthly, I don't think. No, but. no, no. But enough, near enough that, you know, compared to issue every two weeks or something. And, I, you know, I read it the whole way through. I never really lost the thread on anything important or major. Um, and Andre Bresson sort of kind of came from out of nowhere as far as I'm concerned. Real and good. Just real good. Real good. You know, designed world and creatures and, you know, it never. It was good. It was as good the whole way through. Um, good stuff. So, so you know, congrats on them. Uh, I read all of it. I enjoyed it. It was worth it. Wonder Woman 773. This was the final issue of the arc uh, after Worlds in which uh, Diana, who died at the end of Metal, whatever, uh, has been living in the Asgardian afterlife uh, and, you know, in Valhalla. And this was terrific. The first issue of this was Pick of the Week. They've all been really fun. There's some reveals here. She's got a big battle. She teams up with Thor and the Valkyries. And it was a really different and fun side of Wonder Woman and Diana. She got to be a little bit fun, a little bit loose, a little bit romantic, a little bit sexy. And Dead Man makes an appearance. And she gets she finally breaks free of and remembers who she is and leaves Valhalla. And it, it, this was a really 
unusual and fun and take on Wonder Woman that I didn't see coming. You know, it might be the, mo- the most fun I've had reading Wonder Woman book in in decades. You know, Wonder Woman books tend really? to not be a lot of fun. Yeah, they just don't. They, you know, we talked about it. They're sort yeah. of uptight about Wonder Woman, and they they're always so <laughs> bogged down in her. Ares hates Zeus, and Zeus hates Athena, and like you know. The Greek gods, the Roman gods, all the gods, and here they they put her with the fun gods, the gods who drink and fight and fuck, and and she had a good time, and she did all those things in this issue, and uh, I thought this was terrific. And the Travis Moore, this was another monthly book, so Travis Moore got to do it the whole the whole the whole way through. He's he's a really great artist, and yes. and uh, this was this was incredibly fun. Now it, it's sort of the story sort of continuing because now she's back and she's come back to. I guess the mascara and everything's on fire, and I don't know if it's part of this or not. But this this four issue arc, or whatever it was, was was great. It was a great Wonder Woman story. Mm-hmm. Very very fun Thor. Um, Who was an asshole? I think we have talked about all of the issues of Batman the Detective from Tom Taylor and Andy Kubert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I decided I want to talk about this one too, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, we have the story of Bruce Wayne and Ducard. Which I find very interesting. I really like the stories of young Bruce Wayne before he's Batman out there in the world trying to learn how to be the best at everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, not every possible one. There's a good one. I I always really enjoy them for what because it's it's such a weird thing, you know. This is an extended flashback to him as a 17 year old in Paris learning from Henri, and you know, and Henri's a fascinating character. You know, he's not he's not good he's not bad he's you know he's incredibly capable and it's it's not unlike you know the the black cat issue we're talking about like at the end you're like well sure we yeah. we care about each other and we respect each other but i have to kill you now um <laughs> uh and then and then what really got me at the end of this i think that my favorite thing about the issue and i have said i think andy kubert is doing a bang up job the last yeah. three pages where bruce wayne is in his hotel room just the way that they're that that you're drawing Bruce Wayne is this stocky, bulky, beat up bruiser. Yeah, and then the second to last page, we see the back of his head, and you can see the scars on him, yeah. like the where he got stabbed in the head, or his ear has a scar. You know, and then just what I I love that I love that detail. It's not a thing that anybody talked about. You just saw it, and you're like, of course that's going to be there. Skin doesn't heal over, you know that way. And then they walk him out, and you know we've got this really low, low angle shot, and he's just a beast, you know. He is a beast. I really, I really like it. It's one of those things like he's older, so he's not lithe, and so he's just got to pack on muscle because that's the only way he's going to be able to do the thing that he does. And it makes he's sense. he's on the way to being kingpin esque. And his shirts like kind of rumpled, and I don't know. I, I, I just really this like is the visuals. Not the debonair Bruce Wayne. You're no, not, you're used to this. Is you know, fuck it. Well, it's it's also it's also a little like um. In, in, in Dark Knight Returns, you know, at that point, that, yeah. that Bruce Wayne doesn't care so much about. Actually, that Bruce Wayne kind of doesn't care about the thing, but he also is a little bit into like, you know what, let's race cars. Well, before he'd retired. This is, this is Batman who's not retired. He's still, being, That's he's true. still Batman. That's true. Um, but, uh, you know, I like that. This is sort of non-pretentious, bulky Bruce Wayne with the shaved head, shaved with the sides of the head, mm-hmm. uh, which is either some fashion thing or to hide the gray. But... Um, I, this was a great issue. This was this was not at all what we've expected. We've heard of Tom Taylor Batman miniseries, but it's no. been a ton of fun so far. Yeah, and no, I, I I like that. I think I you're absolutely right. I think it's the the fact that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It's a whole different thing, and it's a good thing. Yeah. 
Let's jump back into Hellfire Gala Corner. We talked about the first three issues this last week. This week there was two issues. There was supposed to – everybody said that the uh, there was a third one, and I read that one, and it really didn't have anything to do with Hellfire Gala. It was uh, Children of the Atom. I didn't like it, and it didn't have anything to do with it, so I was annoyed that I read it. But X-Men 21 and Excalibur 21 both took place at the Hellfire Gala, and I'm not going to go deep into it like we did last time, but I will say that – X-Men 21 featured some incredible art from Nick Dragota, Russell Dowderman, Lucas Wernock, and Sarah Pacelli. And Nick, Nick Dragota drew the scene where uh, Xavier and Magneto are trying to entreat Namor into joining their family. And I just love this, the crazy way that Dragota draws this incredibly skinny and weird-looking Namor. It's just a five-page sequence, but man, I love that sequence so much. You know, it's it's a great asshole Namor. Namor. You're talking about the perfect writer and artist, and to do Namor, it's Hickman and Dragota. <laughs> it's he, definitely Hickman. He sounds like an asshole. He looks like an asshole. He doesn't care about any of their offers or deals. It's another one of those Aquaman things where it's like, come join us. And he's like, you've got a tiny island. I I am king of 70% of the of the planet. You know, like, I don't care about what you have to offer me. And then he goes to hang out with the Avengers, but kind of the Illuminati, Tony Stark, and Reed Richards, and, and T'Challa. Again, another sort of slight nod to the Illuminati, which you love. I do. I love to. I do. Namor's pants are really low. Wow. Well. Like, he has real, he's got a shell right over his junk, shell belt, and it's real low. He either waxes or... He just doesn't have anybody here whatsoever. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like uh, um, um, you would evolve evolutionarily to be a hair sweet king of the sea. <laughs> right. Like it doesn't make sense. And then in this issue, also they announced the new X Men team, the new lineup, and uh, it's you know not that exciting. But also a celebrity cameo by Mark Marin, which is funny because he doesn't really like superheroes. According to his issue, when he talks about it on the show, so I thought that was funny. Is that all Although of the gala? <laughs> uh, yeah, Excalibur was similar to how I felt about Hellions. It was about a bunch of characters. Then there, X Men and Marauders seem to be more general audience based, whereas these other side books are sort of more focused on what's been happening in the books themselves. There's a lot of characters I don't know. Uh, uh, Rogue and Gambit are on this team. Rogue gets chosen for the new X Men team, so there's the, there's some fallout from that. And there's a whole bit here about uh, Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, and the ma- magic. And that I was like, okay, I don't know about what's going on here, and I don't care. So I just sort of glossed over all that, and that was most of the issue. So didn't really have as much impact as sexy, angry Namor in the first one. <laughs> but this has still been fun. I don't. I find it hard to believe that all these issues are going to be taking place at the Galax. We're really flying through the gala, but um, I'm curious to see how they how they handle it. Can I? I I I don't like the word gala. I feel gala, gala, gala. I I feel like it's kind of a word that only would come out of people who would attend one. Mm-hmm. Would and you prefer ball? Maybe fire ball. I don't know gala. It just, it just seems like painfully pretentious as a word and event. That sounds like someone's never been invited to a gala. I wouldn't like a gala. You know me. (laughs) You would hate it. I would. I would hate it because it's very, it's very like, look at this. And that's, 
There's food and drinks there. Yeah, but I don't like fancy food and drinks. Like, can we get a burger? I'd be, Maybe there's uh, sliders. You don't know. Wolverine's there. There's never sliders. You'd always think there's going to be something like that, but they're like, no, no, on here is some other fucking sauce I don't want. Or or do you, like, you think it's going to be one thing, but it's squid. I, I don't know. It's... For years, Ron and I in New York in the, in the early 2000s, the tech boom would go would just do the tech party circuit because mm-hmm. he would have friends who would have, get us invites and we would just go get food and, and then leave because <laughs> we were young and poor. Uh, that was the, the books we wanted to talk about this week. Patreon.com slash iFanboy, as we said before, is how you can support the show. And if you're a patron, every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. We call it the patron pick. And this week, the patrons overwhelmingly chose The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, number one, from Kyle Starks and Chris Schweitzer from Image Comics, also with color system Liz Trice Schweitzer. That would be and his wife. I would assume. Or it could be his niece. No, it's his wife. Or a grandmother. It could be a grandmother. It's definitely his wife. Wouldn't it be awesome if it was his grandmother? That would be. I agree with that. He's, so He's a family man. I could see it. I respect this pick, but also like we've loved the last like three Kyle Stark series. So this mm-hmm. was definitely going to be, this was going to be on the show regardless. And this might've been my pick of the week. I don't know. I didn't, I guess I didn't really think about it, but um, it's similar to the last book was it assassination. Was that the last assassination? Yeah. In which we, we have a, you know, a large cast of characters who show up and they're all funny different ways. And here it's the six sidekicks to a TV uh, actor named Trigger Keaton, who was basically uh, Chuck Norris and who was awful in every way possible, who you could be awful. Mm-hmm. And he's, he is found murdered. And so now the investigation is in, is who killed Trigger Keaton. His current sidekick, Miles Gwynn is investigating and uh, going through this stuff with, with help from his original sidekick, Paul Hernandez. And they're going through the different, suspects and clues and flashbacks and i just in the ways in all the ways that a stark schweitzer book is delightful i loved this book i liked it i liked it more as i kept going because it took a little while to be like what am i you know what am i reading here and then you go then i would look at the title and go oh it's pretty clear it's the six sidekicks of trigger keaton (laughs) you know and um i liked that um i don't think Schweitzer actually drew. He was involved. I think he colored. Uh, yeah, he was a colorist. He colored the hobo one. Um, and, and assassination like, was a different artist. He he, he yeah. colored that too. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that's Chris. Uh, Chris is Kyle's best friend, apparently. Yeah. Um, that's what that's what Kyle told me. I don't. I, and Chris is like, you I don't, confirmed it with I don't even know him. I do. I do also know that Chris Schweitzer is. We say this a lot, but there's a handful of people in comics that you meet. and You go, oh, this is one of the nicest people on earth and Chris Schweitzer is one of those people. Um, I think it was what I would have expected and wanted out of a book like this. I will be interested to see how it holds up over time. I expect it to get better. Mm-hmm. There was a lot in this because there's six sidekicks. Yeah, there was a lot. It was very packed. <laughs> you know, and, and, and they all had their own shows. They all had their own grievances or problems with, with trigger. And uh, so one of them, one of them worships him, even though he, he's probably hiding some deep trauma from Trigger. Yeah. And, uh, and one of them quit the industry, and he's a nurse. And one of them's actually pretending or playing at being an an investigator. And he plays a cop, so now he's going to be a cop. <laughs> he's acting like it. 
Um, I liked all that stuff. Uh, you know, th- there's there's a bit at the end where they're like stuntman war. I'm like, you don't need that. Don't just keep it almost real. You know. Uh, but I, 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 you know, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad. I'm excited to read more. I suspect that as we keep going with this, it's going to get better and better. I, not that it's bad. I just mean that I think it's, it's not like this first issue is great and then it goes downhill. I think it'll go the other way. That's what all the other ones have done. Uh, there was a, just there was several scenes or lines that made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end when they're fighting the stuntmen, uh, you know, the the one guy starts to fight with the stuntman. The other, the other guy, the nurse is like, I don't want any part of this fight. I'm not in this fight. And the, as the other stuntman goes to punch him, he's like, I leave me out of this. I, I hate Keaton. And the guy says, of course you say that now that the fighting, it's fighting time. And I, that made me laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, fighting time. Uh, it's just, there's always bits, little great, funny bits in there in, in a Kyle Starks book. And, He's very uh, good at uh, overconfident men mm-hmm. and assholes and uh, yeah. Is, and weirdos. They're yep. all, all these books are full of weirdos. And one, the one guy's wearing Crocs who has a tattoo of trigger on his chest. And, uh, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't quite make like, sense cause he's the stunt man, but he's a, he's a, I guess I, I, I think they kind of draw him like he's a big fat person, but when you see him in profile, he isn't. Right. So I, I had sort of pictured him as a big overweight guy, but actually if you look at when they're fighting, the, when it's fighting time. Bruiser. Yeah. I guess so. So one guy, one of the sidekicks sort of became a star of his own right, although his star's fading. One of the sidekicks is a nurse. One, uh, I guess he just did the voice of a car, so he didn't really have a career. <laughs> he's the he's the runt of the litter. He's the Joey Bishop. He's like, I'm Tad. Like, who, who, who? Oh, you were the voice of the car. Do the car voice. No, don't make me do the car voice. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a, there's a Den, this Denzel Washington is one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, there's and then the, the female girl. one. We don't really know much about. She hasn't. She doesn't really show up much in the first part of the story. Yeah, I'm sure she has a very different story about Brannigan. But um, I just thought this was funny. It was a funny look at Hollywood as well. Yeah, it, there was there was shades of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, yeah. uh, Trigger Keaton, you know, vaguely reminiscent of uh, DiCaprio's character in that. But you know, definitely, well, he looks, definitely he Chuck looks Norris. Like Chuck Norris he, in the first show. He's a he's an, he's in uh, he's a ranger. I love that he's Mark just Gold in one show after another, <laughs> and sometimes more than one at, you know, at once. He's just like the old-timey TV star, because they don't do that anymore. Right. They just the build a show. Star, they just go from show to show. Yeah. Yep. The cover for Precinct the next Blues. issue is great. Or I don't know if it's the cover, but the image when they're all in the old-timey race car. Yeah. Several people Martial in arts. a tiny car. It was just, it, you know, it, it was, I, I thought this was fun. It was um, fun. Some, yeah. So ratings on Six Sidekicks of Trevor Keaton number one, which is called Six Sidekicks of Trevor Keaton or the Six Sidekicks of Trevor Keaton, depending on where you depending on where you look. I'm going for the. The it's funnier. Better. It's not um, on the cover though, so. No, but Image's website and Comicsology both call it the Six Sidekicks of Trevor Keaton. So I don't know. The case of the disappearing article. Ratings. Ratings. Four out of five. Four. Sticking with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's monthly. Yep. So, for sure. Yeah. These boots are made for justice, Josh. <laughs> Mondays at 10, 9 central on ABS. I, I really, I, I love the dichotomy of, if you do it funny, you do it well, like the huge famous celebrity who's just awful. <laughs> awful. You know, like, and repeatedly, and this, this is never going to, we're not going to have those kind of characters anymore in real life. 
Maybe a little right. bit, but not to the extent because it's just too much yeah, transparency. Yeah. Yeah. But back like then. Fred, Fred Dwyer and Hunter. Yeah. Kept going through partners every season. Because <laughs> <laughs> he harassed them. All right. So, uh, where are we? All right. So, patreon.com slash ifanboy is where you go to make the patron pick, but also uh, where you can add a book to the. Nope. That's where we do we, we, we've. I have lost the thread because there's a whole bit of random script in the middle here. Uh, patron powers. If you give the $5 high level as a patron, you get your own superpower live on the show. We bestow you a gift. Yeah, that's And that's my what fault. we do for these four patrons. The first being Tristan. Tristan with no no last name, just like Cher. We are all about the old references here. Joey Bishop, Cher. Tristan <laughs> has snake mouth. Can bend the jaw all the way back? Or, or he, fangs. his whole mouth area becomes snake-like. He can do the. He can open the jaw. He can. He's. he's he grows long fangs that, are, that have uh, venom. He has okay. the snake tongue. Always. He gets a mouth what's like a snake? No, he can. He can employ. It. Oh, okay. If I did that every single time I turned his snake mouth, I'd be like, "Once a man." They're like, "It's not funny anymore." Once a man. Wasn't funny then either. Nope. Ugh, it's creepy. <laughs> he can turn. He can turn into snake mouth. Snake mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Anderson takes charge. Whatever's going on, if you need somebody to take charge, Matthew Anderson is going to be the guy to take charge, and it's going to be what you need. You know, he, he takes the best of ultimate of, leader of Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he comes. In, he takes charge. He's the leader that you need at the time that it is. Interesting. Listen, there's no organization here. Some, let me handle this. <gasps> Matthew, he takes charge. I see. It makes all the right decisions. Yes, he's, he's the leader that you need. Hmm. Gets it done. Zach Walton, um, prolific emailer, has I believe. Power that I was not prepared for. Uh, Zach Walton. <clears throat> Excuse me, Zach. Uh, let's see. What does Zach Walton do? <laughs> <laughs> Connor said a week. By the way, don't don't think that week. he showed up and was like unprepared. Like he's had a week. Okay, here's what Zach Walton's power is. Uh, it, whatever uh, building he's in, and it, this this implies this includes the whole building. So like, it could just be a small apartment, or it could be like when Josh and I worked in the Empire State Building. It's the whole Empire State Building. Whatever building he's in, the bulbs never run out. Light bulbs. Light bulbs never die. They don't blow. They don't. They don't. They just. They, he 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 imbues life into light bulbs. We're, we're pretty. Is it only in like the old kinds of lights? Because the LED all, lights all are light pretty bulbs. good. Yeah, but even you know, fifty years from now, they they won't die. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that you can prove that he's working on those things. <laughs> <laughs> he might just tell you it's his power, uh-huh. but there's still some people who have old light bulbs. There's like yeah. there's like Edison bulbs and things mm-hmm. like that. There are there are certain things for which you're still getting the uh, the tungsten bulbs because there's no other choice. Right, and like when we used to work in the Barcelona, we would we'd watch them change the bulbs out all the time on the, right. on the lights on the outside of the building. Like, that was whatever building. job. <laughs> I can't think about that because he would walk out there on the 70th floor. To change bulbs. He didn't look like he was tied in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Here's here's the thing that people don't know about those lights at the Empire State Building. If you ever see the picture of it, you'll see that they change the colors regularly, and it. They're those not programmable. Lo- no, those lights are loud as shit. 
Oh, that's true, yeah. They buzz. Like, it took me a long time to figure out what that was. And I was like, it was... Am I having a stroke? No, it's just the, the light's three floors down. Yep. Really loud. So there's a thing. So, Zach Walton powers light bulbs. All he right. Gives them light. He gives life to light bulbs. So, if he leaves... Then, then it's all, it's, it goes back to normal. So, he has to be around those. Now, what if, yeah, like, gonna... the tungsten bulb pops and he comes back? It's too late. It's already popped. He doesn't bring it back to life. He just really. So he's got to be there. So that 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 drastically brings down the utility of the power. (laughs) Listen, it's a it's a area of area of effect power. He's got to be in the area. Fair enough. To work. Fair enough. Same thing with headlights in a car. I'm extending it to the cars as well. Vehicles. That's see. That's useful. Yeah. Because a lot of the lights are not um, optimized to use the LEDs, and you get you get a bad. You get, if you try to put the LED bulbs in your car, you're not going to get the same beam that is a good idea. You'd be blinding other people. So right. that's why I've still got tungstens in there. Yeah. I've thought about the bulbs in my car a lot, if you can't tell. <laughs> also, there's a, there's, sometimes there's an electrical thing that causes them to flash, which you don't want either. <laughs> James A. Carlson is the arbitrarian. <laughs> mm. In any argument... He can always point out the the parts of the other person's argument or logic that are completely arbitrary. That, I feel like a lot of people have power. Yeah, no, they say they do, but he's right. I see. Most people don't know. They just they argue endlessly. But he'll like someone will say something, and then there will be a rebuttal, and and he will know that's arbitrary. That has nothing to do. That is not mm-hmm. germane. It's arbitrary. For I am the arbitrarian. And everyone around goes, yeah, that's right. You're going to need enough. Like, he's great at presidential debates. This man isn't about freedom. That's arbitrary. <laughs> and they have to move on. For he is the arbitrarian. Right. That was the best I could do with that word that I thought of. The word makes me laugh Patreon. a lot. <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can vote to add a book to the rundown and get the superpower live on the show. So thanks to all patrons who do that. We appreciate you. Let's do, you do the second one. Okay. And then we're, we got to get out. Yes. Okay. Go for it. Okay. Scott H says, this might be a weird one. It isn't. Who are some of the best or most notable or most important editors of comics in the iFanboy era? Which is our whole adult life. I see various creators praise certain editors periodically. And I wonder if anyone sticks out in your minds. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down a lot of things because I wanted to be prepared Good to talk job. about this because I, I knew there are great editors out there. And I think that there's different reasons for that. So a lot of times when the editor in comics has a very fluid role, some people keep the trains running on time. Some people make sure they're pairing the, uh, you know, the creators together in a good way. Some are coordinating a lot of different there's all sorts of things they can do and do well that contribute well it's all things they they are doing some yeah do some better than others but those are all part it, of the well job. right they all have different they all but they all have different uh skills and, and so sometimes when a creator says you know oh man this guy was great well it's because they called you know and could talk through stuff and help them work stuff out and some people just made sure that things were on time you know I, i've also heard stories about you know people who really didn't like their editors because the editors wanted to be creators and weren't and you know I, it goes all over the place um but i wrote down he said in the ifanboy era which makes it easier which means i don't have to talk about archie goodwin but i could yeah i mean it's funny because when i first read the email I, I think i missed that part so i was thinking like bobby chase and ralph macchio and mm-hmm. all you know guys like that from those that are the era. first editors names that you were probably aware of yeah um 
So the the first ones that come to my mind, it's very easy for me because I think that the era of late 90s, early 2000 Vertigo editors were, you know, my favorite people. They, they contributed sure. heavily to my favorite books ever. Karen Berger is the most important modern comic book editor as far as I'm concerned. She's the one who brought in and found and scouted all of that British talent uh, in the 80s. You know, uh, uh, Alan Moore, um, you know, on to Garth Ennis and, and Grant Morrison, yeah. you know, and then and then built that sort of farm team at, at Vertigo. Mm-hmm. And then under her, you had Shelley Bond, Will Dennis, mm-hmm. uh, Axel Alonso, uh, people you know, like Axel Alonso was head of Marvel for a long time. I don't think it was very clear to see what it was that he did when he was EIC of Marvel, but he edited some great books and brought in some great people. Jason Aaron is, is a guy who he, you know, found and brought in. Uh, he's, you know, he did, he allowed scalp to happen, uh, along with Will Dennis who edited that, um, more contemporarily, um, and he got laid off from DC, which is insane. Uh, but Mark Chiarello, who was the art director oh, yeah. at DC for yeah. a while, when you start looking at the series that he was involved with, very uh, Darwin Cook centric, by the way. So Solo, yeah. uh, The New Frontier, he did Wednesday comics, Batman Black and White is him. Mm-hmm. Um, very art focused, makes great books, you know, that sort of that we're still talking about today. Um, and then uh, over on the Marvel side, I don't want to. Uh, I think Nick Lowe, who, who has really moved up to be sort of one of, I, I don't know if he's the executive editor, but he was in charge of all the X-Men books at some point. But Nick mm-hmm. Lowe um, is, you know, he's the guy who, who keeps getting Garth Ennis to come in and do stuff. You know, he sort of oversees everything. Well, that's the other thing is that the editor does is they, they create personal relationships, yes. which, which allows them to to keep fostering work with people, you know, mm-hmm. Garth Ennis doesn't, doesn't really want to be making Marvel books, but he, right. he really likes Nick Lowe enough that he keeps, that he keeps doing it. Nick Lowe put together, uh, um, next wave, uh, yeah. with, with Warren Ellis and, um, and Stuart Eminent. you know, he, he, you know, at the same time, like he's in charge of all of the X-Men books. Right. So he does those things. And on the side, you know, he's still always made these little, made sure these little great comics happen. Um, while running the the big deal, and I, and I don't think that you would say that in his tenure, X Men comics have been bad or or, form, or aimless. I think when we first started our fanboy, X Men comics were all over the goddamn place. Um, mm-hmm. There's been many versions of them in this time, but but they're coherent and they're I think what X Men people like. Um, the only other one I can think of is my old podcast partner. There's others, but my old podcast partner Andy Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Um, who who teaches you know how to make comics? He's writing um, that crime syndicate book at DC right now. He's sort of in everything, but for a while he was the guy uh, in charge of Marvel Cosmic, and so right. beca- because of him, um, you had Keith Giffen and then um, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning uh, bringing back those Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy characters, and that stuff that that came that became the movies that are the things right. that everybody loves. You know that the the, the force behind that was Andy Schmidt. Um, really doing a good job, you know, bringing those things together, doing the editing, having this cohesive line. The there was the Annihilation Saga, I think. Um, all that stuff. He's a guy I think of, you know, who who took something that no one was really using, and made something great and lasting out of it. Um, right. Yeah. It's interesting because I think as a kid I was more aware of editors than I am now, which is funny because you know we do this at one point for a living. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know that I read the entire credits box even anymore, you know, which I did as a kid. And it, it, I think 
I don't, I don't know what that means. I, I wonder if it's because sort of disillusionment about how the the whole lines are controlled now by the, you know, or influenced by the movie people. And, you know, in the 80s, 90s, it was much more like, there were personalities in the in the handful of names that really you know you knew you knew these names at Marvel. Well, those were you know at Marvel those were much more in the style. They're in the style, yeah, the style of the Stan Lee, where like those are other folks in the bullpen. Um, You know, another one who who was great and isn't there anymore was Mike Martz, um, who was in charge of the Batman books for a while and just a great era of Batman books, and he used to be in charge of X Men before that. I feel like I I know these names because. A, we were really involved with talking to the companies and the creators for a while. And yep. you, you notice patterns, but also just like, I know enough people and I've talked to enough people for Talksplodes or for whatever that yeah, sure. you know, they'll, they'll mention these things. And you know what? Another One other guy. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, because these are all Marvel DC. Uh, Sean Makowitz over at Skybound. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he uh, ushered in the sort of last bits of um, Walking Dead. Walking Dead had a lot of editors. Um, over over time, but he's the guy who's still there now. He he just had um, birthright finish up was his, but he's also sort of running a lot of those other books that that Skybound comes out with all the time. And I've heard nothing but really good things about that guy. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, he's pre he's pre uh, a fanboy era, but you know, like a, like Mike Carlin was the guy who ran all the Superman mm-hmm. books in the yep. '90s that were really all interconnected. Oh, they yeah. all told he was one great. long story. Did we meet um, him at DC? No, because he moved over to to animation and Good and uh, Los Angeles. So he does he oversees the animated films, but he oh, was the great. guy that ran all the all the um, all the Superman books in the nineties, which were which was you know running four books, which is basically a weekly series for years. It's not not no no small things for an editor to do. And the books we still editors talk about. get editors both get too much and not enough credit. Yeah, you know they get too much credit. For you know stories and things, and they get not enough credit for keeping everything you know mm-hmm. going and, and contained. It's it's a difficult I mean, job. I mean, we also didn't mention you know Tom Brevoort, who sure. you know yeah. he he. If, I don't know exactly what he does day to day, but I know that he gives a huge shit about those characters. And if he wasn't there, I bet Marvel would look a lot too. Oh, there's I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and then we got to stop because I got to go to a meeting soon. But um, <laughs> I think maybe after Karen Berger, the most important editors of our time mm-hmm. are Joe Casada and Jimmy Palmiotti. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Who launched? Yes. Who launched yes, Marvel yes. Knights? And that is what became of Marvel, which leads into the MCU. Um, they took Marvel out of the era of bankruptcy, bankruptcy and failure, and and built it into the, the creative theme. bankruptcy. And failure. Yes, both of those things uh, brought in great talent. Um, huge you know and they're both hugely talented creators in their own right but they get overshadowed the case the casada error era you know he he did the stand thing but you know what they did early on was so important and then continuing Mm -hmm. it um really focusing on talent uh making books instead of just getting units out there right all right Let's wrap it up. So thanks to writing in Scott, contact.fanboy.com. He wrote in. You can write in as well. You can also write in for our Media Explode show. Just put Media Explode in the, in the subject line. And thanks to everybody who does that, who does, that, who does it. And uh, we appreciate it. We have so many emails, more than we can ever get to on the show. So we do appreciate you writing them in. Uh, let's, let's wrap the show up. So there, uh, there's podcasts available for you to listen to right now. There's a Media Explode where we talk about Tenet and other things. Media Explode is uh, our patron unlock podcast about things that are not comics. There's a Talk Explode that I did uh, with Tom Scholey, 
Um, they all end up about the same length, about an hour 15. I don't know why that is. I don't do that on purpose, but that's where we are. That's about the point where I'm like, I got nothing else. Thanks so much. No, um, <laughs> I'm going to keep going pretty soon. Uh, there will be a book explode. Uh, I messed this up already. Uh, the, the, okay. this month, later this, it. later this month, uh, book explode, uh, injustice gods among us year one, the complete collection, say 400 ish page uh story i think there's at least three years of this by the way not just year one uh tom taylor's uh, oh yeah there's there's at least three yeah video game spinoff um about about a, a dc uh, universe gone wrong uh we'll talk about that soon i was almost about to say i was going to give you a subjective opinion on it and i said no no you have to show up for that and then because the next book explode which will be two months from now which is august the most awful month of the year. Um, <laughs> uh, we are going to be talking about a prose book. We're going to be talking about True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stan Lee uh, by Abraham Reisman. This is the definitive, uh, currently definitive story of Stan Lee after he has passed away and, and the real Stan uh, that isn't so much about, about you know, the legend of Stan and looking at that and what, what happens to him and what he's like. Uh, and it's fascinating, if not entirely objective. So, those are the next two books for books. Hold on, I'm going to sneeze. Uh, if you want more of this, you can head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our shows, a history of comic book writing from all of our creators and writers. Um, you can go to facebook.com slash ifanboy or follow at ifanboy on Twitter, at ifanboycomics on Instagram. You'll find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. You'll see panels of the week and occasionally other things, but I'm not promising you that. Connor and I are both on Instagram, CS Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan. Those formats, uh, we did not collaborate on. It just happened that way. Um, you can go to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy to keep up to date with the old video show reuploads. I didn't do this part. Did you update it? Oh, I thought you did. So this week we had, let me get to the real quick. All right. Oops. I was just there. So we had the mini, which was about, this is a good week. I don't want to, I don't want to. So the mini, just, just cause I don't, the mini was our short. We did weekly shows. We did five days a week. They were little shorties. Around three or four minutes in the middle. Two to five was the format. So this week we had. Uh, a mini about it was pick of the week Buffy the Vampire Slayer I did that one when I was hammered after Ron and I had gone to a Vision 3 Dignation event in Brooklyn I came back oh shit I gotta, I gotta go back and do the mini full circle so I uh, went back and shot it super drunk and edited it super drunk so hopefully that doesn't show and then we had a vault show I think you just runaways. got the most views of any of these we had a vault show but we talked about the runaways we talked about Alan's War we talked about Dan Dare and then Friday's episode, 124, was the Audience Demands It show in which we polled our audience and said, hey, what books are we not reading that we should check out? And they voted, and we picked the top three, and I read Lock and Key, which I liked. Josh read Secret Six, which he did not like, and Ron read Deadpool, which he did not like. So that, that was the show. Proving that we do know how to pick the books we want to talk about. <laughs> so we, we occasionally think. like occasionally you, books. you still love Lock and Key, though. I do love Lock and Key. It's a really good book. Like we've, you're still talking about it, like recently. So it's good, yeah, 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 yeah. You not so much Secret Six, but that's okay. It's not your not your cup of tea. I like the art. There we go. All right. So if you like the show, please consider leaving us a review or star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of people don't use Apple Podcasts, which is fine. Use whatever service you want. I use. But Overcast. if they allow, if they allow reviews, if they allow star ratings, please consider uh, doing that for us or for any show you listen to. It helps people find the show. The algorithm. We'll bubble up shows who have more reviews and more star ratings. That's just the way it goes, and we do appreciate that. And that, you know, now there's, that, there's Amazon, there's there's Audible, there's Spotify. These people are all doing that now. 
Yeah, so if you can, if you listen in any format, please consider just even just leaving a star rating. It takes one click. We do it does help the show immensely. Even better than that word of mouth. Tell your friends, your family, um, your coworkers. If you get pulled over, tell the cop as he's giving you a ticket. Anyone who um, <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> if, if anyone you talk to, we do appreciate that. If anybody asks you what podcast you enjoy, we do appreciate it if you say I fanboy. And then, it, you know, we just, that's just how work gets spread. We do thank you for that. That's the end of the show. End of a long week, but a fun show. My name is Connor. I'm Josh. Thanks so much, everybody. Stay cool out there. Uh, your, your faces again. That's weird. Wait!